Welcome to the Real Life Enlightenment Podcast, a highly imperfect podcast of ideas that we have found to be enlightening and are sharing with the hope that they will, in turn, bless someone else's life too. Welcome to the Real Enlightenment Podcast. This is Ashley. I wasn't planning to record an episode tonight, but I had an experience last night that prompted the recording. So let's talk about night terrors or sleep terrors. They are, the term is used interchangeably, so I will also use it interchangeably here. I really had no intention to share about this topic at all on this podcast now or ever, but it's fresh in my mind and maybe it could be helpful. It's not very common, um, although it's becoming more common, but these do occur in some children, and if hearing my experience can help you in some way, then it's worth sharing it here. And if it isn't applicable or of interest, then this episode might be one to skip. One of my four-year-old twins fell asleep on the couch last night around his normal bedtime, which is around 8 o'clock, and I had promised his brother that I would read to him So I did that before moving the sleeping child to his bed. The book took quite a while because it was a choose-your-own-ending type of book, and we went through all nine possible endings per his request and per my promise earlier. Um, This was a great one-on-one time as the other three older kids were with my husband at a baseball game. And when we were done, I quickly brushed the sleeping child's teeth and put pajamas on him and took him up to his bed. And I really only changed him because he had had an accident while on the couch. So I felt like I really had to. Otherwise, you know, I didn't want to mess with anything I did not have to absolutely do. Um, But we were doing really well until I accidentally lightly scratched him with my fingernail while changing him into his pajamas. Um, This interrupted his sleep cycle enough that it triggered... sleep terror. He started screaming and thrashing around, hitting his face with his hands, throwing things, climbing on his headboard, screaming, no, 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 running away from me, resisting any consolation or comfort, knocking anything nearby over, curling up on the ground only to get up again and repeat the same behaviors. There was nothing I could do to comfort him in any way because although he looked like he was awake, he was actually still asleep. I had to restrain him at times to keep him from hurting himself. And as he was running through the house, still asleep, bumping into things, um, and it was just really an awful experience. And it only seemed to make it worse for him as I was restraining him. Most of what he was screaming, uh, which was with all of his energy at like full capacity, as loud as he possibly could, um, it didn't really make sense other than the nose and I hate you, screaming that he wanted to rip up his pillow and throwing his favorite um, stuffed animal across his room and just wanting it away from him and saying I hate it when normally it's his favorite thing and he loves it. Everything else that he was screaming was too difficult to understand. Uh, These episodes last about 20 minutes, 
which feels like 45 at least. Um, it felt like about an hour last night, to be honest. Um, he's been having sleep terrors since he was a baby. They used to be frequent, like maybe two or three times a week, or even four times a week at some at some points. Uh, but now that he's four, they are more sporadic. And three of our five children have actually experienced sleep terrors. Thankfully, the other two are not experiencing them anymore. They seem to be done with them at about age four. They stopped. Um, and this child is four and a half and is still having them sporadically. So hopefully they will not last too much longer. Um, it is my job or my husband's during these horrendous experiences to just really just stand by as I observe the look of terror on my child's face, observing that he doesn't recognize me for who I am. Um, instead, he seems to just stare right through me and views me as a threat. Nothing I can do or say helps him. I just have to wait it out. In fact, if I try to soothe him, it seems to escalate things for him and he hates being touched when he's in a terror it seems to amplify the fear even more um, after s quite some time last night um, I picked him up and walked downstairs with him as he was trying to hit me and lean his whole body back with all of his force away from me and I decided to try a trick that my husband always is like his first go-to trick and that is to go outside with him. Um, my husband loves it because it usually will calm him down uh, or help. But for me, I'm always a little concerned that we might be disrupting the neighbors because he, like I said, he is holding nothing back. The child is just like screaming with every ounce of energy he has. Um, and if someone's windows are open or... You know, I just, I worry about that kind of thing. My husband's like, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it stop, which I, I totally understand. And that's where I was at last night. Um, so I walked kind of up and down the sidewalk with him for a few minutes. After about five minutes, his body relaxed. And I could tell that he was no longer in the terror. Um, he patted my back a few times gently. And I said, hey, buddy, welcome back. How are you doing? Did you have a bad dream? And mommy, I love you mommy, is all that he said. And then he just laid his head on my shoulder and relaxed. I had tears in my eyes as I took him upstairs and he immediately fell asleep in his bed like nothing had ever happened. So, if you have ever experienced something like this, you know how terrifying it can be and how hopeful, hopeless um, you feel during that experience. So I gathered some facts that I've learned about sleep terrors to share with you. About 15% of children experience sleep terrors. When I first looked into this um, to like research about sleep terrors several years ago, when our Let's see, it was probably about eight years ago or so. Um, that used to be 3% of children, so there has been quite an increase since then. Um, there is often a genetic link. 
I don't know of anyone else in my family down the line who has had these, but there could have been someone somewhere or in my, on my husband's side. Um, a sleep terror is a parasomnia and a parasomnia occurs during the REM and non-REM sleep cycles. So sleep terrors occur in the deepest stage of non-REM, which is stage three, as the child transitions into a lighter REM sleep. And a lot of times when I say a night terror or, well, I usually refer to it as a night terror, um, people are kind of confused and think I'm talking about a nightmare. But there's definitely a big difference between the two. As you can see from what I just described, that's not like your typical nightmare. Um, so night terrors happen in the early night. Um, with his case, he had just fallen asleep maybe like a half hour to 40 minutes prior. Um, the child has no memory of them the next day or even when he had just come out of it. Like he wasn't reliving that fear. He just completely relaxed on my shoulder and he was able to go right back to sleep. Um, sometimes when children wake up, they're disoriented or confused. Um, often with ours, we've just seen that they kind of relax and just kind of go back to sleep. During the terror, the child appears absolutely terrified and movement is usually unrestricted because they're not in the phase of sleep that has to do with muscle paralysis. And then nightmares, on the other hand, happen in the early morning, usually after 2 a.m. The child can usually describe it in detail right after they wake up and they can talk about it throughout the day um, and remember it or parts of it. The child usually orients or isn't confused upon waking. The child is afraid, but not a super intense fear like you would see with a night terror where they're, they just have that look of sheer terror on their face for the solid 20 minutes. And then movement can be uh, restricted during the nightmares because they occur during the REM sleep. When someone is experiencing a night terror, their pulse may almost double and their pupils often dilate and they may also sweat or their body temperature often increases as well. And the person having the sleep terror may look like they're awake, like my child did. He was walking around or running, trying to get away from me, throwing things, screaming, um, but unable to communicate or at least in my child's case, he wasn't able to communicate well. He was just yelling brief sentences and expressing anger um, triggered by fear. Um, and as I shared with my child's experience last night, during a sleep terror, he, or his, you know, he wouldn't, he didn't respond to soothing words. This is a general thing with sleep terrors. Um, the person doesn't respond to words of comfort. And they might often just like turn away from you entirely because it seems to increase their fear um, and try to like run away from you. And like I said, it will last about 20 minutes or less, though it feels much longer. And then they just lie down and go back to sleep. Um, and the person doesn't have, who's experiencing this doesn't have any form of imagery or sound that a, a nightmare might include like remembering seeing something scary, uh, but they just have this deep sense of terror and fear that they cannot shake. And so 
it's best to stay with the child, to not just leave them, but to not be too close to them unless you have to restrain them. And this gives them comfort so that when they do come out of it, then you can support them and comfort them and be there right there with them. Um, and also this allows you to keep an eye on them in case you do need to restrain them to keep them safe. And also it's important to not try to wake them from their state, just to stay with them. And it's so hard to do when you're in that moment. Um, I've read that some parents would try to shake their child to get them to wake up. That makes it much worse. Uh, so you don't want to like, like your, um, your tendency is to, like I wanted to say to my son, Hey, wake up, buddy, wake up. It's okay. It's just, you're asleep right now. Um, but it does, it just falls on deaf ears. Like it doesn't do anything. Like he can't even hear me at all or register what I'm saying. Um, and something that I just learned is that the more that parents intervene with the child, the longer the night terror will actually last, which I did not know that. So that's a good tip. Um, so what helps? Cause this is just really not a fun situation to find yourself in or to watch your child suffer through. Um, so our pediatrician recommended, um, scheduled awakenings. So look for a pattern. Just keep a record of when this is happening and what time and then wake them up 30 minutes prior to when they normally have the terror. This was always hard for me to do with my kids because, you know, you think, oh, maybe this is a night that they'll actually sleep and they're not going to be woken by the terror. So I don't want to wake them and then have them you know, struggle to go back to sleep or whatever it is. Sometimes I would just lightly kind of put my hand on him and kind of move his arm back and forth, just like very, very gently, just enough to get him to kind of move his head around or like some sort of movement in his body. And that would seem to kind of help. Um, and then uh, with my other two kids who had it, a drink of water seemed to help them, especially with one of my kids, which kind of seemed to reset. Uh, but that does not work with this child. I think it's worked maybe once or twice um, in the four and a half years that we've been doing this. Um, and then the biggest thing that has worked for us is walking outside, like I shared, um, which can be hard to do at night, but it does seem to help more often than not. And then um, you can try to prevent it. You can decrease stimulation or overtiredness have an early bedtime, no caffeine or screens, spending time outside in the daytime. But even if you do all those things, that doesn't mean that the night terrors will go away. Um, but it might help. Like there might be a better chance of them not having a night terror, I guess is the idea there. Um, I do want to cite a few sources cause I did just share all of that information with you. Um, and I want to give them credit. So I, um, found that information on the American Sleep Association, the Heaven Sent Sleep blog, and the Good Therapy blog, if you want to look into that further. Um, I just wanted to share here because I don't personally know anyone whose child experiences night terrors. I only know of one person who knew of someone whose child was experiencing it. So, you know, it's not super common, and it is pretty awful to experience 
And if you are in that position, I just want you to know that you're not alone and that you have some support. And I also want to remind you that your child's struggles don't define you and that you're doing your best and that it's enough. Um, that is all about that I have about um, night terrors or sleep terrors. But check back with us soon because we're working on an episode that we're excited about. We're doing it together and it's a very interesting topic. Talk to you soon.